0: Kia ora and welcome to Around the Table. This podcast is a practical conversation where a group of leaders sit around the table and tell stories about how they've seen intergenerational discipleship reinvigorating the church here in Aotearoa. In this episode, we explore how to create a sense of belonging as an integral part of building an intergenerational culture. We hope you'll be inspired to develop belonging is an important building block for healthy discipleship in your church.
1: Well, kia everybody. It is great to be here. We have found ourselves sitting in Matheson Bay overlooking, look there's a kaka, yep, overlooking the most incredible view of the water and it's really distracting because actually we've got some bird lovers in the room and all they care about are these kaka doing loops of the house. So if you know if there's some pauses and long bits of silence that's because Annette's got really excited about native New Zealand Birds. What's another word for birds? I don't know. Things with wings. Flora and fauna. Flora and fauna. Excellent. Yeah, it's really great to be here. We have a room full of great people who have invested their lives and their hearts in kids and families ministry over the years. Some of us are no longer working hands on in kind of kids stuff, but we all have passionate hearts for intergenerational communities of faith. And so that's really why we're gathered. We're um, here for 48 hours to kind of hang out and dream and scheme. And so we find ourselves sitting at a kitchen table overlooking a great beach. So in the room,
0: drum roll, please, Karen Warner, where are you? Who are you and where have you come from? Well, it's great to be here. So I work for the Baptist Churches of New Zealand and uh, recently moved out of the children and family space and now looking at leadership across all of our churches. And Annette.
2: Yeah. Kia ora, I'm Annette and I am part of the Scripture Union team here um, in Tamaki Makoto in Auckland. Yeah, and it is a real joy to sit around this kitchen table and talk about this topic.
3: And next to you, we have Raywin. Kia ora, I'm Raywin Moody, and I work as a Children and Family Ministry Kaotiaki for the Northern Baptist Association. Mm
1: quite an Auckland presence I have to say yeah. so to make sure there's a bit of a balance with Wellington and the rest of the country uh, My name's Diana and I work for Strands and I am the National Children and Families Ministry Enabler for the Anglican Diocese of New Zealand so I'm based down in Wellington We haven't quite got the South Island yet but you know just to bring a little bit of an Auckland balance Hey we're here and we all have a real heart for intergenerational faith communities but in particular the desire to make sure that all generations feel like our communities are a place where they can belong people can belong so my first question is what is belonging and what does it look like is it just that we're including all different
0: generations and that's enough or is it more than that I think for me Diana it's about people knowing me Mm. and and if I'm not around they miss me they notice I'm not there yes and I think it's about me knowing them so you know I know their stories I know where they go to work. Um, I know how many people are in their family. Maybe for some of them, you know, I know their, their parents, their grandparents. Yeah, so I think that's kind of what it looks like for me when I think about belonging.
2: I was thinking about safe spaces. And so belonging goes with feeling comfortable and safe. And so what does that mean for all of our congregation or our church Community, your faith, for the community around our churches to feel like they also belong. So that, that kind of insider outsider language that can kind of exclude. So, yeah, so challenging some of those things around mm. belonging, actually being around, I feel safe and loved in this space and sometimes that's communicated through the words that we speak um, but more often it's communicated by the way we feel by the way people embrace us or the questions well they know our names they know how to pronounce our names correctly but they know more as you say Karen they know more than just our names they know who we are um, and they're invested in our lives Mm. yeah I like that it.
1: Because I think sometimes when we think of just say including, it probably reminds me more of like a multi-generational church where we have lots of people present and we've kind of like ticked all those generations. Yeah. Like, yeah, we've got some old people and some young people. But an intergenerational church actually provides opportunities for those generations to meet together for mutual serving or worship or connecting or faith formation. So there's a the Jesus aspect, but it's interactive. And so for me, belonging, it takes it from that multi-generational to the intergenerational where the generations care about one another. Mm. They're actually Interacting and noticing and loving and Mm.
3: so for me that reminds me of a story of my little grandson at three years of age when he had his ukulele that he would bring to church each week and he would run laps around the church in the first two songs and strum his ukulele and bring smiles to everyone's faces. So he was there, he was included. But then one Sunday our worship leader who was our youth pastor walked up to him and said Theo, we don't have a ukulele in our worship band. Would you like to join the worship band? And his Mm. eyes went very big and he ran to his mum to ask for permission, which of course she gave, and he went and joined the worship team. So now he belonged. He had a place that every Sunday he stood Mm. right next to the guitarist and watched and strummed in time and belonged to the worship team. So he wasn't just included by running laps Mm. around the Mm. church. Yeah. Just following on from that, Rowan, I walked into a
2: church once and watched as some of the young people were moving around the church and stopping and talking to people and they're noticing when new people were arriving. And I I thought those young people belong in this space because it's theirs and they're welcoming other people Mm -hmm. and looking out for and being hospitable. I thought, is there something about the culture of that church that those young people were taking that lead and that ownership of the space?
0: Yeah it reminds me of a a similar story, actually. I remember coming into the foyer of the church one day and and one of the, I think he was about an eight eight or nine-year-old boy was sitting with a couple of teenagers. The teenagers were sitting together, you know, talking about something on the phone and he was sitting in the middle of them. And I was so taken by it that I actually photographed it because I thought, you know, that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like to feel like you belong. This is my tribe. This is my place. And, you know, we're not the same age, but we belong together and we accept each other, you Mm. know. So it was just a, a lovely sort of little vignette for me of what, belonging mm. looks like.
1: So do you think out of those stories that you shared, that aspect of feeling like you fully belong, kind of expression of that is that when you are welcoming other people into that space as well, you feel comfortable enough to welcome others yes. and kind of host and kind of you're hospitable in that in Yeah,
0: that and that I space. think that's the reciprocity of it, isn't it? That's mm. that saying, you know, I belong, but I make sure you feel like you belong as well. Yeah, yeah, that's great.
1: And just thinking that one of the things about belonging is that sometimes it can be confused for commitment it's actually changes in our seasons of our life as to how our belonging is reflected in our attendance or our commitment to things and so uh, for example a preschool mother who's looking after her preschool kids you know they they're a valued part of the church but their attendance may be a bit more kind of scattergun than other seasons of life but they don't belong any less so just trying to think actually are there seasons in our lives that we need to be really attentive to in different generations that reflect a different stage of belonging when we think about family, you don't cease to belong to a family because you might not be able to
2: show up for family events. So I wonder if this idea of the church as, as the family of God is helpful. And I think, you know, if you're not showing up for your family over a long period of time, well, then, you know, that is detrimental. But um, you still you still belong.
1: Mm-hmm. And people miss you for not being yes, there. They yes. seek you. They yeah. want to support you in whatever season or stage that you're in. And perhaps COVID as well has highlighted that, you know, we for so many years, so many months, whether it was lockdowns in Auckland or uh, national lockdowns, we weren't able to be in a physical space together, but yet you can still belong. You can still be a part of a church and still be part of a faith community. So the physical kind of presence doesn't necessarily equate to belonging.
2: Mm. And the more that you feel that you belong, the more you want to be there. If you know how much you miss others, then the more you want to be part of that
1: Mm.
3: that faith community and, and be showing up, or other people and maybe for our faith communities we need to think about other places where people can be welcomed and belong. So your example of churches, families with little children, with preschoolers it's very difficult for them to come on a Sunday regularly but if there's another space in the week that works well then that can be very helpful. That's something that I've been involved in where we've had a lot of babies that were born during COVID They have not had the interactions with other people and now they're at the place where they need somewhere where they can gather so we've got both church Community mums and people from other places who are just saying, We want a place to belong where we can come with our little ones. So, we've got an intergenerational group of grandmothers like myself, and then mums and their little ones who are now coming to my home and my yard and playing and doing crafts uh, where we can share Bible stories and the Christmas story. We've given out some Jesus storybook Bibles to these families who are wanting to go on a journey, but just wanting a place to belong where they can come. Um, week by week and hang out and have some coffee and have some chats and have people of all different ages who can join in so it's really important that we look if there are places missing for a group to belong that we can then create them. Isn't that one of the great gifts
2: that the church or the faith community can can offer is that you know we know that we have rising levels of loneliness and you know that's just Mm. been exacerbated by Mm. COVID has just created these gaps and mental health and anxiety and Mm. and yeah and loneliness and it's not just a New Zealand issue it's a it's a bit of a global issue and we can create these places of belonging and help people to feel like they belong and so what a gift that is to be able to offer
0: to our communities. I'm often reminded of of that giving a place of belonging when I see someone wearing a gang patch. You know, it's a place of belonging. You know, I saw on, on my way up here yesterday, there was someone riding a, a motorbike with a gang patch on the back. And, you know, it's sort of like, this is who I am, this is where I belong, mm. this is my space. And I think as the church that it's it's doubly important that we seem to be places where you can have a place of belonging no matter mm. what age you are, whether you're the, the 95-year-old, you know, granny who lives in my street, um, or whether you're the preschool mum, you know, solo mum who brings a couple of her kids to church, that we can all have a place. This can be our tribe.
1: Yeah, we are tribal people looking for places where we can identify and belong, and and we are known as well. And I was just thinking, when we are thinking around the intergenerational space, we
2: can focus on the generations and the differences or the distinctives or the the generational gaps. And yes, we do have gaps and disconnections, but actually belonging and wanting to belong is a human desire something Mm. that transcends generations it actually pulls us together so i really love that you know it's about our humanity not just about our ages as distinct as the things that distinguish us or the categories that describe us
1: yeah because when you look at the history of the church actually sometimes we've done a really good job of separating people out into different groups so even, you know, that you think of like cultural churches that have gathered around their own particular culture, or maybe it's a youth church, or maybe it's, you've separated out in kids ministry and, and different student ministries, but actually the intergenerational communities does transcend everything. It unites us together. It breaks down some of those generational divisions that we may have in place. Mm. It doesn't dismiss it. It doesn't pretend that we're not different culturally. It doesn't dismiss the fact that, you know, we're all different. It actually celebrates it and it unites it mm. rather than pretending it's not there. We're not kind of washing it out and saying we're all the same. Actually, we're really different. I mean, Paul talked about
2: this with the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. And Andrew, who you'll hear on some podcasts, um, my work colleague Andrew, has this wonderful illustration of talking about the body and imagining the body going to the gym. So the body turns up at the gym and says, right, I'm going to think smarter about this. So the, the body takes off its head and the head stays in the cafe <laughs> drinking coffee. And the body sends off its arms to go and lift weights because it needs good good muscles And then it sends its legs off to go and do some other exercises over here. Well, you know, we hear that. We think, well, that's just, that's Mm. ridiculous. And, you know, Paul, in using this image of the body of Christ, is talking about the diversity of the body. He's talking about it in Corinth, where there's lots of uh, sculptures of body parts. And this was something that, you know, they knew and understood, but actually... This is about the body being unified in its diversity and being together, so I just think that's a really lovely illustration Mm. of sometimes in our church communities we can have a tendency to send the arms off in one direction and the head off in somewhere and our youth might be here and our older people might be here and actually how do we create places for the body to be together.
0: I love that story, and I, and I wish, folks, you could have seen Annette's um, arm movements as she, as she told that story. They were particularly particularly graphic. Um, but it kind of reminds me, too, um, you know, we were talking earlier about this, of the story of the boy with his lunch, and, mm. and Luke, well, it's found, the story is found in all four Gospels, but in Luke chapter 9, it particularly talks about the child who took his lunch to the disciples. And, you know, I've always kind of seen that story through the lens of this child had a place of belonging. Well, for starters, they were there, and I'm sure it wasn't just children that were there. There would have been teenagers, they would have been probably uh, young parents with toddlers, there would have been some elderly folk, but it's this picture of, you know, this child had something that, you know, look, I'm, I'm part of the tribe, mm-hmm. I've got something to offer. And it was that which was offered by often the one who's seen as the least, uh, that fed through mm-hmm. the miracle of Christ, that fed, you know, more than 5,000 people. You know, so I think, you know, that idea that the body, that, that we, we're all needed to be there in order for life that, that God wants us to live, to be at its fullest, requires all of us to be present.
1: Have you experienced or seen different opportunities for intergenerational belonging, maybe outside of the traditional Sunday service?
2: A few years back, the church that I was involved with, we did a house build with Habitat for Humanity. So we had this team, and as part of our team, we had this young, a young family with a couple of kids, and uh, we were building this house. So the foundations and then the, the floor, and so as we were building this house, uh, the family were living on site, and so we were interacting with them a bit. But what I really loved watching was the way that these three children, now grown up now, but um, these three children played with the family, the children of the family, and the children of this family went and showed them. Here's our bedroom. Here's this here and. Those children were integral to the mission of what we were trying to do. And mm. so I just, it made me really aware of what is it serving in our communities? What does mission look like when we're doing this all together? And that they had something to offer that we
0: couldn't have done as adults. Mm. You know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about belonging was because I just feel like in my life I've got so many stories where intergenerational belonging was really important. You know, I think right back to when I was a 19 and 20 year old and the person who ran our young adults home group. I was a guy who just retired um, and just the stories he told us and the way he strengthened our faith. And then, you know, I belonged to what nowadays would be called an intergenerational home group. But back then, which was a long time ago, it was just a mixed group of ages. And we loved the fact that this was a mixed group of ages and we had contact with these older folks. They would have been 30, 40 years older than my husband and I. Uh, But we continued to journey with them for many, many years.
1: Hmm. There's an interesting thing, isn't it, about sometimes you encounter people in your community who you you only really experience them at the age that they are. So an example for me would be, I know this guy, this this man, this senior man, Uh, he's 85. He is the most fervent church librarian I've ever seen in my entire life. But what I didn't know about Bob was that he was a surgeon, but I've only ever known him as being in his 80s and being incredibly protective of these books. I would love to hear more of his stories of how his faith and his life as a as a surgeon I went hand in hand because yeah he he just has a whole lifetime of stories that perhaps I could inquire more about or yeah, mm. find out more about. Mm. Another example that kind of comes to mind is I did this workshop at a church once and I asked them, you know, it was all about intergenerational stuff and they were like, oh, we're not really intergenerational. And I got them to think about when was the one time that they were the most intergenerational in their community? And they got thinking and every, like everyone in the room wrote down their thing and they all basically said when we were planting trees. And It turned out that there was this big campaign a few years ago and this one church planted over 10,000 trees. Wow! They got a bit carried away in this, you know, it was great, it was amazing. But they were like, actually, all ages were together and we just did this every weekend a whole bunch of us all different ages would go and plant trees i said well do you still plant trees now like no no we don't why don't you go and plant some more trees (laughs) like you (laughs) did so well it was one of your best intergenerational expressions outside of the sunday services but um plant more trees it's great year of the forest
0: any other examples that you've seen of intergenerational belonging I mean my mother for years um, ran a craft group at her house on a Thursday night mm. and it was unfortunately just ladies who went and that was not to say that there weren't men in the church that maybe liked craft but this particular group just was attracted to women but it was women of all ages you know I used to go along I still lived at home at the time and it would be women of all ages um, and they would journey together and of course when you're sitting crafting you're doing embroidery or you're sewing yeah. you can go you've got time to go slow and deep and you started to hear those stories um, you got to Find out stories about people's lives. You knew these women, and they knew you. And if something happened in your life, um, these women knew about it, and they knew, you know, how to relate to you in that. And I did the same with them. And you know, that wasn't a that wasn't a church-sanctioned thing. This was just something my mother had decided, and she ran it for about 20 years. So so many women had passed through that group and been given a sense of belonging. And it was quite mission-oriented actually, because people would bring friends along to that. I know someone else who runs a book club the same way. This is a book club of of multi-generational people from within a church, but also from without friends of the people, coming along and finding a place of belonging.
2: It's one very quick example from a kids camp that I was part of quite a few years ago. We had an older couple come along and normally we would have camp parents. This year we had, particular year we had camp grandparents. And so the camp granddad spent the free time setting up a chessboard. And the kids just came and sat, and some of my young leaders came and sat and played chess with him, and just talked and you know he'd been a he was a doctor he'd been involved in mission work overseas as a doctor, and wove these stories of faith and in and, and I watched this expression, this intergenerational expression happening in the middle of a kid's camp where you wouldn't necessarily mm. put an mm. older gentleman playing chess, and it was just beautiful, it was really beautiful,
3: mm.
1: yeah. The Fuller Institute and the States have done some research into what helps young people stay connected to church and stay involved in their church. And um, the highest response given was personal relationships. Only 3% of young people mentioned beliefs, which is quite staggering to think that, you know, you think, oh, no, they'll stay at church because of Jesus. Actually, the highest response is they were staying at church because of personal relationships, relationships where they are known, Mm -hmm. where they feel like they can belong, where where they are known not only by name, but people know what they're doing tomorrow, what's going on for them, what's the big stuff, what's the small stuff.
2: And that's the expression of Jesus. That's Jesus at work in the community. Mm. This is what it means to follow Jesus in practice, mm. not just in the words that we say, but in the way that we um, care for each other.
0: Yeah, and the way that we live our lives. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, you know, I just thinking, you know, hearing you say that, Diane, I just reminded me of those years in my late teens, you know, when I went off to teacher's college, and it's like, and you are exposed to a whole different side of life than I'd probably be a bit mm-hmm. sheltered. Um, but, you know, it's those, you know, when you do start to question your faith, and you do start to think, you know, it's what I've always grown up with, what I really believe. Even, but you sort of you're held tight by those relationships that you've got, those stories that you've heard, mm-hmm. those people you're connected with, and I and I needed it to be more than my parents. My parents weren't enough to do that, you know. And if I'd been, you know, and I know someone who came from a, a non-Christian home to church, you know, she needed those relationships with those older men and women who held her as well. Uh, I think it's 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 hugely important mm-hmm. for that faith journey to have those people who hold you outside just as this Mm. about Jesus.
1: And there, there is vulnerability and belonging as well, isn't there? So, you know, for me to feel like I belong somewhere, I have to actually belong. It's a vulnerable, vulnerable space to actually say that, you know, I belong in this place I'm going to give of myself I'm going to offer of myself to other people in the community and to fully belong means that you don't you aren't just committed to people who look like you or your friends or things you have in common actually if I'm going to fully belong in this church community I also belong to Betty who's 85 and I belong to you know the preschoolers in my church family so how do I think about the contributions that I have to play in that community it's not just a kind of a receiving thing but actually there's that vulnerability of I have to accept the invitation to belong as well I have to give of myself because I know that the more I give of myself the more I will receive Mm. um, because I've seen that time and time again in my my own faith story
3: And I think for us as church leaders to look around our church and offer those places of belonging, I think Mm -hmm. about the youth pastor at our church who was casting around for people who could help in the youth ministry and had to create space for the 85-year-old man who Mm -hmm. said, oh, I couldn't be a youth leader, and he just said, come along and just sit. Mm -hmm. And this granddad would sit at the back while all the rough and tumble of youth ministry would happen. But then those young people who needed an older person to just Mm. sit and listen Mm. he was there he was available he showed up week after week But it took the leader of that space to create space, to create vision amongst the church and say, we have spaces for everyone, no matter what age, to come and serve alongside us. We don't just need the keen being youth ministry
0: leaders. Mm. And I think that, you know, that making a commitment, this is part of, I've got to do this as well. And in our Baptist tradition, one of the things that we do is we have baby dedications when children are small. And as part of that baby dedication service, the congregation is often asked to stand, and say we will stand beside mm. these parents and we will help nurture this child in faith and in life and you know when i stand i don't take that lightly you know if i stand up it means i'm committed to helping this family journey through life and journey with that child this is my commitment and my part of my belonging in this place this isn't just about me this is about us we are Fano. we are family that's awesome
1: so, we all know the value of belonging. We understand that it is important and that there are different opportunities for it. But I'm just thinking for church leaders who, you know, have bought the t shirt, they know too. Have you got any quick tips or steps in how they could do this practically?
0: Yeah, I think that there's an intentionality required. You know, it might happen on its own. It might happen organically, and that's great. But sometimes we need to be intentional about it. You know, that doesn't have to be complicated or difficult. It might be just looking at what you're already doing and seeing that through an intergenerational lens and thinking, okay, so how could I adapt that? You know, like you talked about uh, tree planting. You know, how can I adapt that to make sure that I've got, you know, different generations working alongside each other? So, you know, I think it, it can just be about looking at what you're doing and making a small change so that the generations are rubbing shoulders together and connecting together.
2: I was thinking about the example of those young people that I saw in church who were going around and welcoming and talking to people in the church community and thinking, well, actually, they, I mean, they might have just done that, oh, the goodness of their heart, but I know that those young people were being mentored and this was part of the expectations or the church culture that you are a part of this church and one of your ways of contributing to this space is by welcoming and getting alongside and looking out for people who might be new or sitting around. So, so some of it is around mentoring and the way that we develop culture a culture in a space that this is a space for us to be participating in as well as receiving from.
3: And that we need to get to know the people in our spaces. So our youth pastor knew that this older man was a very good listener and had some wise things to say and then invited him to use his gifts in a completely different setting. And the youth pastor saw that the little boy, Theo, had the ukulele and was passionate about music and invited him. So if we look at the skills and the gifts and the talents of the people, get to know them, invite them into a space where they can use them across the generations.
1: Yeah, because sometimes we can overlook those those moments of whether it's morning tea or something, we're like, oh, they're just small moments where they people can talk. But actually they're they're building these pathways of connection. And if we provide further opportunities for intentional connection where you can get to know someone. Like you can't work out people's giftings unless you actually know someone. Like I mm. can, uh, you know, if, if I don't know what you're going to be doing this week or I don't know your story, or I don't know what makes you fully alive or the things that you love and the passions and joys always I can't provide a space for you to be fully you Mm. in the body of Christ yeah I can maybe put you on a roster and I can give you a job to you know maybe clean the church but actually if I want to see you fully alive in an intergenerational community I have to get to know you to enable you to have a space to Mm. serve
0: yeah that's right
1: And that
2: takes time relationships and getting to know each other takes time and if we are over programmed and too busy and there's no space then some of that investment in relationships Mm -hmm. uh, gets lost in the busyness of our lives and the busyness of our church lives so creating opportunities for time, whether that's over food or planting trees, you're alongside someone having a conversation I, I find I have my best conversations when I'm walking in the bush and you're just walking along and talking and mm. it's a bit more informal mm. but um, it's a, it is it's, it takes time, it's a slower process but it's worth it in the end
0: Yeah and I think another thing that's really important for church leaders to remember is that just because, you know, you mentioned the t-shirt just because you understand, you've got t-shirt, you understand why this is important, it doesn't mean that the people who are part of your church, your faith community understand it at all. So I think sometimes it involves talking about it. I mean, it might involve talking about it in your home groups, your connect groups, your life groups, whatever you call them. It might involve a sermon series where you just talk about the value of different generations knowing each other for faith formation. You know, there's a few things that church leaders can do like that, that will definitely help some of it to emerge organically and for people to start looking out for opportunities themselves as well.
1: Thank you so much for your stories, your wisdom, your experiences. I just, I love... That our church is passionate about providing spaces where young people can belong, for older generations to belong, for me to belong, for you to belong, and to think that intergenerational communities are transcendent of our own personal preference, our own life experiences. But there are places where united we can share in the story of Jesus, and to see where God is at work in one another as well. Mm. So thank you for your time today. It's, it's been great good. to be here. Yeah. It's pleasure. <laughs> you can go find your car now. <laughs>